And so what we're trying to really do is, is, is pull back the curtain for them so that they can understand some very simple salient points that will help them be better informed if they're going into their first pharmacy or if they're perhaps going for expansion loans or additional financing for their existing one. Welcome to the Becoming a Pharmacy Badass podcast, where we talk about how to diversify your revenue streams, increase your net income, and optimize your operations to create the pharmacy of your dreams. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Well, hello everyone, Dr. Lisa Faust here from Diversify RX, and I have a wonderful guest with me, a longtime friend of Independent Pharmacy, um, I've got Greco from Live Oak Bank, and although Live Oak uh, really focuses on helping pharmacy owners acquire pharmacies, we're going to be taking a little bit of a different approach today. Uh, there's a lot of things happening in our industry, and I think it's really important that pharmacy owners are kind of aware of what's going on and some options that they have. And one of the things that I absolutely have always loved about Live Oak is of course, they want to give loans and they, they do that very appropriately. And we're going to talk about that. But they really have a passion for educating pharmacy owners and really helping them be successful. And so that's kind of what brought us here today um, from a recent conversation that Greco and I had. And we really just kind of wanted to share this information with everybody. So Greco, uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for spending some time. Uh, for someone that might be listening that isn't familiar with Live Oak Bank um, and what you guys do, can you give me a little recap of what it is that you guys specialize in and what you do for pharmacy owners? Sure. Thanks a lot, Lisa. I'm excited to be here and talk to your listeners. Um, yeah, Live Oak Bank. I mean, we are um, a specialized niche industry lending bank. Um, we've been in the pharmacy space now since 2010 and um, been a longtime partner to the independent pharmacy, helping a lot of independent pharmacists uh, achieve their dreams. Um, and um, I'm the senior lender and the vice president of the vertical, been at the bank for seven years, been in the industry for uh, almost 15 now. And um, I never, ever get tired of talking to um, uh, would-be owners or existing owners about achieving their goals and, and also hearing about some of their challenges and, and doing exactly what you just said, which is educate um, a lot of our business owners. And um, looking forward to today's conversation about that. So yeah, I think the education part is so important because in our in our space, in our niche of um, business ownership, uh, people tend to be pharmacists first and right. business owner, not even second, but business owner <laughs> like fourth or sixth, you know, like it's way down the line. Um, most of us don't have MBAs. Most of us don't innately know how to read a profit and loss statement or a balance sheet or a cash flow statement. And some of those people are just like, what are those words you just said? Right. You know? right, right, and right. it's just not part of our like formal school education. Right. But when you go into pharmacy ownership, um, now more than ever, I mean, our recent last, you know, five to eight to 10 years, it's really become important that pharmacy owners are savvy business owners. Absolutely. And frankly, it wasn't always that way. I mean, 15 years ago, you could open a pharmacy, put it, put an open sign and you'd be okay. You know, the pharmacy right. margins were uh, big enough that if you made a mistake or you, you know, sell some things below cost, like, ah, eh, no big deal. Your, your cash flow was still good. And unfortunately, nowadays, pharmacies are operating on absolutely razor thin margin. Very much so. 
<laughs> and it's not even the margins, um, I would say. And, and that's where I think a lot of confusion with pharmacy owner happens is kind of the difference between profit and cash flow. And that's something I right. love talking about and geek out on. Um, but it's really the cash flow that is the sticking point or the hurting point of pharmacy owners. And so I know at Live Oak, you guys kind of take a more conservative approach when it comes to pharmacies and the loans you approve and then the education that flows from you guys because of that cash flow. I mean, you guys understand better than than most others of how cash flows through a pharmacy. So what is it that right. you typically see? Like what is what is a big myth or something that maybe a potential pharmacy owner has? And then when they come to you, you know, they kind of get that aha moment of, ah, I understand now. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think, you know, we, um, we do pride ourselves on being um, experts in the space and understanding about how to help an individual uh, understand what the metrics of the business that they're looking to buy. And, and you are correct that, you know, a lot of owners, I tell people all the time, you know, that when you become a pharmacy owner on the, on the license on the wall is still remaining a pharmacist, but then you get to hang a new one on the wall and that's for business owner, entrepreneur. And some people, to your point, they don't get that so much in pharmacy schools. I think pharmacy schools are getting better at it and engaging individuals like myself and others in the space to help educate the people that are coming up. But, you know, quite frankly, a lot of individuals that we talk to, you know, they're going to be either first time, maybe second time owners, and, and they just haven't had that crash course yet. And so what we're trying to really do is, is, is pull back the curtain for them so that they can understand some very simple salient points that will help them be better informed if they're going into their first pharmacy or if they're perhaps going for expansion loans or additional financing for their existing one. And, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's, it's really cash flow. It's really how much income is that business generating at the end of the day after expenses and maybe even debt and then it's flowing over into the balance sheet. And then what's going on over there on the balance sheet? And, and so, you know, where I think we are, are, are great is that, you know, we're willing to stretch and, and, and help that individual get into a situation where a lot of other banks may not understand it because we've been in the space for so long. We understand how to value that cash flow and how, how it works. But um, I think the biggest myth that people think is that they can go in and buy a pharmacy just because that's what's being asked by an individual or, hey, here's what I want to buy. Here's what I want to do. I need X amount of dollars for it. And, and I just, I'll just get it. And they don't really quite understand how those two things can interact. And I think the biggest thing is, is that, you know, people need to understand what their leverage is going to look like. And um, most importantly, how they're going to increase gross profit per script. And, and that's another myth is that a lot of people just think, hey, I'll buy the pharmacy, I'll fill the scripts, and, and that'll be it. And it's like, no, you, you're going to have to answer the question on how you're going to increase profit per script. And if you can't do that, how are you going to control expenses or, 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 or mitigate them? Um, and, and that really gets into the first thing that I tell a lot of people is, um, and you know, this is all information you can get off of YouTube and other things, right? But they've got to understand a common size income statement, right? And I think that's the very first thing it starts with the profit and loss, right? And so we tell people all the time, you know, 
study up on on what a common size income statement is and and it'll it's a great it's a great uh, version of a PL because it gives you a percentage of let's say labor or whatever right to your revenues and then the quickest thing and I know you love this is is benchmarking then that KPI or whatever it might be for the for the period that you're looking at and and seeing hey how am I doing there right and how is this business that I'm looking at buying what are the trends um and and can I improve it or is it above and beyond is it above average you know and do I have now a potential where if it drops how is that going to impact the cash flow and so that's just something you know really easy that I think a lot of individuals can go out and start to educate themselves on so that they can prepare for some of the changes I know that you've been shouting at the rooftops about that are going to be coming down here and we'll talk about that a little bit later um, so that's the first thing I say to every individual is study up on a common size income statement and then on the balance sheet side, you know, just really kind of understand what falls in the asset side, what falls in the liability side, and how those can impact the overall um, uh, ratios that play into the cash flow of the business. And in our world, it's really about leverage. I tell people all the time, you cannot overpay or over leverage the business because then it doesn't matter how much you grow it, you're always going to be chasing like a one in one out type of thing. So we're very big on educating individuals on that and making sure that people know, you know, what they're getting into. Yeah. And you use some words in there that some people might not quite understand. So when you say leverage, um, really, that's the the debt, the, the how right. much debt you're carrying. So most people understand mortgages because people get mortgages mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, and so it's like buying more house than you can afford. <laughs> you exactly. know, it's like it might be a good deal on the house. But if it's if your debt that you're carrying is, you know, more than 50 percent of your take home income and all those kinds exactly. of issues, you can't afford to pay the debt. And that's really what we're talking about here when we talk about leverage is you know, a pharmacy might be a good deal at, you know, $1.2 million, but the cash flow can't pay the debt. And that's, I think, is the really important part that when pharmacy owners or people who want to buy a pharmacy go in and they look at the pharmacy is it's not you paying the debt, really. It's not, it's not really the individual. It's the business. The business has to be able to pay that debt and you, and you want enough of a cushion that you can weather the storm. And Absolutely. there is no other niche, no other business that I know of that has as many storms as pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I think it's really important that you understand what that cushion is. And so um, before we get onto the upcoming storm, I have a question for you. So sure. one of the common questions I always get is like, how do you evaluate a pharmacy? And you right. know, there's like yeah. 1001 ways. But my question for you is going to be if somebody is owning a pharmacy right now and for whatever reasons, usually retirement or something, they're looking at selling that pharmacy maybe in the next year to three years. What are things that they could be doing right now that will help improve the amount that they will be able to get for their pharmacy? That's a great that's a great question, a great point. And, you know, I think the immediate thing is, is taking a look at, you know, how is the pharmacy performing from a gross profit pers- perspective? That's first, right? Is there room to increase or decrease that? Or is it just kind of what it is? And then I look at it like the same as to, to use your analogy about selling the house, right? Well, what kind of things do we need to clean up? What kind of small things can we start to clean up 
on the expense side to increase the profitability so that the net profit, when I go and ask someone, you know, for perhaps anywhere between two to three times of future earnings, um, you know, that you can maximize that. And, and a lot of it is, is there to be done, but it's going to take that effort from that individual that's looking to exit out to start to do that now so that it's not a situation where they're having to um, do a fire sale and then having to pull all these in. Well, if you do this, well, if you do that, then, um, then, then it can be accomplished because a lot of buyers, I'll be honest with you right now, in my personal opinion, they're nervous about whether the if can be accomplished, right? And they really want to see, I think one of the, you know, um, a shout out to T.W. Taylor out there in Virginia. He, he tells me this all the time. You know, his goal is to provide a playbook. That's yeah. really what it's about. You know, it's the playbook. And, and I tell sellers all the time, you know, if you can have that playbook already there and, and the business financials support it, you're going to be able to maximize the value for it. And there's a lot of other things that go into it, but just immediately for someone thinking about how to increase that, it's the little things, right? And, and I know you're big on, on engaging um, the right individuals to help you do that. And there's so much out there that can be done, but it does take that initial steps to go, okay, I got to start looking at this so that I can maximize the value of the, of the business and a new individual can take it over. And last thing, Lisa, you are 100% correct on what you said earlier about how it's the business that's repaying the debt. I think so many people out there, they look at buying a business like they do a house, right? And it's not the same thing. It's kind of similar in some senses, but it's not the same thing. That business is the primary source of repayment to everything. And if you can increase it, obviously, then it's a lot of benefit. But naturally, it can decrease too, right? I mean, it can drop, but it's generating that cash flow. Very different than a home that we buy. You know, homes are there to, to, to live in. Granted, you know, you can have an investment property that's generating cash flow, but it's so subject on the tenant and things like that. The business is the thing that's generating the cash flow. And that's really the thing that everybody needs to look at. They need to separate themselves a little bit from it. Yeah, you're the operator in it, but it's a business that's generating pain, everything, debt, expenses, salary distributions, everything. And that's what we need to focus on. I love what you said that it's the little things, because I'm a big believer in the little things, you know, micro improvements done consistently over a long period of time equal huge differences. And you know, when I, when you look at a business, it's a sim, it's actually a simple math equation. It's your revenues minus your expenses mm -hmm. equals your profit. Yeah. And if you can nudge those revenues a few percentage points higher, nudge the expenses a few percentage points lower, lower. Yeah. all of a sudden you've got five extra percentage points of profit, which have doubled the profit of a pharmacy because that's how, you know, low margins that we're on. Yeah. And so it really doesn't have to be these macro changes, you know, cleaning up your expenses, um, getting rid of the fat, you know, as, as yeah. that is said, and on the revenue side, optimizing, I mean, that's, that's my, that's my sweet spot. You know, obviously here at diversify, we love mm -hmm. helping pharmacies optimize their revenue streams and grow new ones. Um, but that's it. It's, you know, increase the revenues, decrease the expenses yeah. and enjoy more of the leftovers, kind of like Thanksgiving dinner, right? You know, you get to enjoy the leftovers. So um, the big thing that I want to shift focus into now is, you know, we've been talking about cash flow and cash flow mm -hmm. for pharmacies 
is going to be getting a lot worse in the yeah. sense of some of the changes that's coming in our industry. So if you're listening to this um, and you're not aware of the changes that are coming to DIR fees in January of 2024, yes, I said 2024, and I know it's only 2022 now, um, but these are massive changes that you need to be aware of now so that really I'm preaching that you can use all of 2023 to prepare for it. Yes. Like that's that's how big the tsunami is coming. It's like, we know yeah. it's out in the ocean and we know it's coming and you've got to make some changes. And I'll give just a, a quick recap. So I'm calling it the DIR fee apocalypse of 2024. And uh, essentially what it is, is new regulations went into effect. Um, very, very good regulations that DIR fees will be applied at the point of sale, which means mm -hmm. when you transmit that claim. So instantaneously for uh, lack of a better description. And currently right now, they're retroactively applied. So you get a quote unquote DIR fee bill, you know, two, three, four, five months later after you dispense a prescription. And you don't really know what that DIR fee is at the time that you, you dispense that prescription. You dispense it, you think it's profitable, and then come to find out you actually lost $200, you know. And so those, those are detrimental to pharmacies. So the change happens in January, which is, sounds really awesome. But what's going to happen is, is beginning in January, your revenues are going to be decreased because again, yep. those DIR fees are going to be applied at the time that you are dispensing your prescription. And you're also going to be charged for the DIR fees for the prescriptions that you filled on the last part of 2023. Agreed. So Probably for the first three, maybe four months, maybe even a little longer of 2024, pharmacies are going to be essentially paying double DIR fees. Mm -hmm. And um, I will tell you, I, I look at a lot of pharmacy financials, most pharmacies are not going to be able to wing that. They just don't have the cash flow. And that's really where it comes down to is you don't have enough cash coming in to pay for the bills that are going out. And so that, that is what's going to cause the problem here. And I'm, I'm extremely fearful for pharmacy owners that are kind of putting their head in the sand or just not paying attention. Um, we all get we all get chaotically busy in our lives, yeah. personal and professional. And that's what I want to talk with you about as, you know, being li uh, with Live Oak Bank, obviously your financial institution, mm. you do financing, you know, we, we've got uh, right now about what, 13 months or so before, you know, this, this big change happens. And frankly, I'm going to be talking with lots of people. Like I said, I've been shouting about this from the rooftops. Yeah. Uh, I'm, people are going to probably get sick of hearing about it. And <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm going to be bringing in lots of other people for kind of tips and tricks. You know, right. my answer right away, my solution to this is grow your cash revenues, you know, grow yeah. your non-PBM, your cash revenues. That's mm -hmm. what we're focusing on in our membership. Um, it's cash, cash, cash. And there's lots of opportunities um, you know, I phrase that I've been saying for a little while now is it's harder than ever in pharmacy. And at the exact same time, there's never been more opportunity um, than there is now. And so there's a, there's a ton of opportunity. But from you, from a financial banking side, you know, what are some of those moves that pharmacies could be making? Um, you know, given that we've got a 13 month timeline that might better prepare them for this extremely tight cash flow period that is going to be coming. Yeah. You know, Lisa, congratulate. And I, and I, I applauded you on our, on our last call, you know, that you are shouting from the rooftops on this because, you know, I think the first thing that people can do is educate themselves, you know, and, and we have the benefit here of early education, right? So, we know it's coming, but we can prepare for it because it is a ways out. 
And I do agree with you that, you know, um, myself, you know, I, I have to be to all our existing customers or to new customers, you have to be empathetic to them because there are so much that has happened. There is has some so much has happened in the last two years. And, you know, we're looking at some of the challenges, but as you mentioned, professional and personal uh, staffing issues and things, you can understand why some people might be, um, you know, uh, just delaying or thinking like, oh my God, it's something, how can I think about something 13 months ahead of time? But it's so critical to your point to start to plan for it now, because if you don't do that, three months away can come very quickly. So I think the first thing that people need to start to do is again, start to build the relationship with your PL and your balance sheet, right? <laughs> You've got to start to build that relationship. I know. Yeah, you should I've, at least be getting them and looking at them. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And getting them on, I would say, a, a more frequent basis and making yes. sure, first and foremost, that they're clean. You know, we, you know, there's the old saying, garbage in, garbage out, right? So let's talk about the first thing, right? I would say to people, how good are is your reconciliation right because we all know that if you're not reconciling your claims you really don't know what's getting and coming in right so that's the first thing just do a quick review this quick tune-up you know make sure that your reconciliation looks good next how well are you managing your inventory look over those types of things those are all actionable items lisa that any owner can do right it just takes a little bit of time so those types of things, first and foremost. Then, like I said, fall in love with your PL and balance sheet. Get back in relationship with them and start to look at those things where, you know, hey, how can I maybe take um, $5 or $10, kind of set a goal almost, right? And say, how can I take somewhere from here and reallocate it to perhaps now my cash on hand in the balance sheet? And how much cash on hand do I have? What's my historical cash on hand been? And, and what goal do I need to get to? Now, the esoteric thing that's out there is we don't really know because 2024 plans have not been released yet, right? We don't know. But what you can do is you can start to have those healthy conversations with perhaps your PSEO, your wholesaler, your advisors, whoever it might be, to kind of understand a ballpark about what's my DIR fees been and then you might have to set a little bit of an open goal of say, you know, whatever it might be, 100,000, whatever the number might be, and then start to kind of almost reverse engineer how you're going to get there. Um, you know, there's a lot of independent pharmacies out there that might say, I, I, I can't run any thinner. I've shaved operating expenses down to the bone. There's nothing else I can do. So then it pivots to your next point. And this is what I would tell a lot of people is, okay, well, then where are you going to increase revenues? How are you going to increase gross profit per script? What other things can you diversify into? And I just think it's going to take those owners out there that are willing to roll up their sleeves, that are going to have to use some time management skills and um, you know figure out those ways and start to plan it. And if you do that, if you have a healthy cat, you know, a little extra cushion in your balance sheet, you're going to be able to weather the storm. And uh, I think you're going to be able to come through. And then finally, to those new owners to be, you know, make sure that you're having that relationship and conversation with your bank, that they are aware of this. And if they're not, you need to reach out to someone like Live Oak Bank who does. And make sure that 
you've got the proper cushion because I'll tell you, Lisa, there's a lot of times where people will buy a pharmacy and they really shouldn't because it's just too tight. And so you need to be able to know and have the curtain pulled back and be aware of what's happening. And, and I think that's really, I know that sounds like a lot, but you've got to be able to pick, hey, which one sounds reasonable to me? And then, and then, and then go out there and try to set up a plan. Yeah, I agree. I think the first thing, the low is hanging fruit and, you know, it's, it's the least sexy answer is to cut expenses. There's yeah. always fat in the, in, in your expenses. Uh, if you're not operating at expenses, I mean, the minimum is to be less than 19% right. uh, in terms of that ratio percentage mm-hmm. of your revenue that goes to expenses, then that would be the first goal. But frankly, in this day and age, like the closer you can get to 16 or 15%, the, be- the better off, the better off you're going to be. And again, on that equation, there's only two inputs. It's your actual expenses or your revenue. Mm-hmm. So if you've cut your expenses as far as they can go, then the only other part of that equation is the revenue. And that's where starting new revenue streams, even simple mm-hmm. things as um, you know, carrying different OTC products that people are willing to pay cash for, all the way to more sophisticated options like using softwares like Ugo and EasyScript RX. And you know, there's there are a plethora of opportunities right. and strategies to kind of increase that revenue. And to your point, just because some other bank you know, maybe it's your local bank, which I'm not against local banks, but again, pharmacy is just a little different. Um, If they approve your loan for like purchasing a pharmacy, really make sure that you understand that cash flow that is paying for that low. And what happens if that cash flow decreases by 10 or 20%? Are you still going to be able to service that debt and pay that loan without going into default? And a lot of times these banks, because they don't understand the pharmacy industry, you know, they approve loans that look good on paper, um, but when, when you overlay the, the pressures of what's happening in our industry, yeah. they no longer make sense, but they just don't really have that experience. And so I think it's just really important that if you're into pharmacy acquisition right now, um, that you just really understand what it is that you're getting into. And just because a banker says it's okay, don't just take their word for it. Like, you know, you're making a big yeah. thing, often millions of dollars. Um, you know, it's okay to spend some time and to really understand that Absolutely. and figure it out. And yeah, I do think now is a good time to be acquiring pharmacies. And myself and my partners, yeah. we're actively acquiring pharmacies. Uh, you know, it can be a good time to get into there. So that is really what your guys' specialty is, is financing acquisitions. Um, really quick, you know, as we wrap this up, you know, what does kind of that process look like? If, if somebody's like, hey, I want to buy pharmacies or I want to buy more pharmacies, um, you know, do they have to find a bar- pharmacy to buy first? You know, how can they really get started and you know, to develop that relationship with you so that when the opportunity does come, you know, they're more quick to be able to pull that trigger. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, it starts with that early education. So, you know, I encourage people reach out to me. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can um, contact me directly via email. And, and and Lisa, you tell me if it's easier to put it in the chat or just tell people over over yeah, the, just go ahead and say it and then we'll put it into the notes. Yeah, you can you can reach out and email me at greco greco dot devalencia d-e-v-a-l-e-n-c-i-a at liveoak.bank. You can go to our website, www.liveoakbank, and you can find me there as well under our pharmacy team. You know, and I would say first and foremost, you know, reach out and understand, say, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about buying a pharmacy. I've been approached to buy a pharmacy here. So the first thing you need to start to do is understand the roadmap to financing. And then you need to understand, you know, the roadmap to ownership, the SWOT analysis of what you need to start to think about, you know, the strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. 
And, and, and right there, you know, you should be almost interviewing the bank as much as the bank is interviewing you. I mean, I do a lot of, of, of workshops where I'm talking to new owners and saying, hey, listen, you need to be educating yourself and asking the right questions. And, and just to be honest, a lot of times people are looking at this discussion about, um, you know, interest rate. I know that's all hot on the topics and the proliferation of information that's out there. Um, through through the news and our and our and our uh, uh, devices are are all talking about that, and it's something that people should be worried about and concerned about. But again, the real thing in pharmacy is understanding the cash flow of that business and what those leverage points look like, and forming the relationship with the bank that's going to be able to help you understand that, be there for you afterwards, and then help you grow. Um, and, and those are really kind of the things that I would say, you know, we talk a lot about, I spend a lot of time educating borrowers on, and they don't always result in, 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 you know, people buying a business. Sometimes people go, you know what, this just isn't for me. And thank you for telling me that. Um, but, um, but anytime we can help an independent stay healthy, that's one more independent that remains out there and grows. And that's really our goal. Yep. That is our goal too. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today, Greco. I'm sure we're going to have lots more conversations about the upcoming 2024 DIR fee apocalypse yep. because it is going to be affecting us all. Um, unless you're one of those weird cats that everybody aspires to be, which is a cash only pharmacy, you know, <laughs> the rest of us all have to deal with it. So um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all everything that Live Oak does for the independent uh, pharmacy industry. Um, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. And thank you for having me on. And thank you for everything you're doing out there in the space. I, I think it's great and um, happy to always come back and, and happy to help your uh, your legion of fans. And, and uh, congratulations again on all your success. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you have a more profitable pharmacy for free. One, join my free group at lisasrxgroup.com. Two, get the latest strategies at diversifyrx.com forward slash blog. Three, watch helpful videos at lisasyt.com. Four, hit that subscribe button and please be sure to leave us a five-star review so we can help more pharmacy owners and bring those insights back to you. Becoming a Pharmacy Badass is proud to be a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.